Chapter 1. The Naming of Cats The naming of cats is a difficult matter. It isn't just one of your holiday games. You may think at first I'm as mad as a hatter when I tell you a cat must have three different names. First of all, there's the name that the family uses daily, such as Peter, Augustus, Alonzo, or James, such as Victor or Jonathan, George, or Bill Bailey, all of them sensible, everyday names. There are fancier names, if you think they sound sweeter, some for the gentlemen, some for the dames, such as Plato, Othmatos, Electra, or Themeter. But all of them sensible, everyday names. But I tell you, a cat needs a name that's particular, a name that's peculiar and more dignified, else how can he keep his tail perpendicular? or spread out his whiskers, or cherish his pride. Of names of this kind, I can give you a quorum, such as Munkastrap, Quaxo, or Coricapat, such as Bombalarina, or else Jellyorum. Names that never belong to more than one cat. But above and beyond, there's still one name left over, and that's the name that you will never guess the name that no human research can discover. But the cat himself knows and will never confess. When you notice a cat in profound meditation, the reason I tell you is always the same. His mind is engaged in a rapt contemplation of the thought of the thought of the thought of his name, his ineffable, effable, effineffable, deep and inscrutable singular Name. The Old Gumby Cat by T.S. Eliot. I have a Gumby cat in mind. Her name is Jenny Anydots. Her coat is of the tabby kind with tiger stripes and leopard spots. All day she sits upon the stair or on the steps or on the mat. She sits and sits and sits and sits and that's what makes a Gumby cat. But when the day's hustle and bustle is done, then the Gumby's cat work is but hardly begun. And when all the family's in bed and asleep, she slips down the stairs to the basement to creep. She is deeply concerned with the ways of the mice. Their behavior is not good and their manners not nice. So when she has got them lined up on the matting, she teaches them music crocheting and tatting. I have a Gumby cat in mind. Her name is Jenny Anydots. Her equal would be hard to find. She likes the warm and sunny spots. All day she sits beside the hearth or in the sun or on my hat. She sits and sits and sits and sits and that's what makes a Gumby cat. But when the day's hustle and bustle is done, then the Gumby's cat's work is hardly begun, as she finds that the mice will not ever keep quiet. She is sure it is due to irregular diet. And believing that nothing is done without trying, she sets straight to work with baking and frying. She makes them a mouse cake of bread and dried peas and 
a beautiful fry of lean bacon and cheese. I have a Gumby cat in mind. Her name is Jenny Anydots. The curtain cord she likes to wind and tie it into sailor's knots. She sits upon the window sill or anything that's smooth and flat. She sits and sits and sits and sits and that's what makes a Gumby cat. But when the day's hustle and bustle is done, then the Gumby cat's work is but hardly begun. She thinks that the cockroaches just need employment to prevent them from idle and wanton destroyment. So she's formed from that lot of disorderly louts, a troop of well-disciplined, helpful boy scouts. With a purpose in life and a good deed to do, and she's even created a beetle's tattoo. So, for old Gumby cats, let us now give three cheers, on whom well-ordered households depends, it appears. Growl Tiger's Last Stand Growl Tiger was a bravo cat who traveled on a barge, in fact, he was the roughest cat that ever roamed at large. From Gravesend up to Oxford, he pursued his evil aims, rejoicing in his title of the Terror of the Thames. His manners and appearance did not calculate to please. His coat was torn and seedy. He was baggy at the knees. One ear was somewhat missing, no need to tell you why, and he scowled upon a hostile world from one forbidding eye. The cottagers of Rotherhithe knew something of his fame. At Hammersmith and Putney, people shuddered at his name. They would fortify the hen house, lock up the silly goose, when the rumor ran along the shore. Growl tigers on the loose. Woe to the weak canary that fluttered from its cage. Woe to the pampered Pekingese that faced growl tiger's rage. Woe to the bristly bandicoot that lurks on foreign ships. And woe to any cat with whom growl tiger came to grips. But most to cats of foreign race, his hatred had been vowed. To cats of foreign name and race, no quarter was allowed. The Persian and the Siamese regarded him with fear, because it was a Siamese had mauled his missing ear. Now, on a peaceful summer night, all nature seemed at play. The tender moon was shining bright, the barge at Mosley lay. All in the balmy moonlight, it lay rocking on the tide, and Growl Tiger was disposed to show his sentimental side. His bucko mate, Grumbuskin, long since had disappeared, for the bell at Hampton he had gone to wet his beard. And his bosun, Tumble Brutus, he, too, had stolen away. In the yard behind the lion, he was prowling for his prey. In the forepeak of the vessel, Growl Tiger sat alone, concentrating his attention on the lady Grindlebone. 
and his raffish crew were sleeping in their barrels and their bunks as the Siamese came creeping in their sampans and their junks. Growl Tiger had no eye or ear for aught but Grindlebone, and the lady seemed enraptured by his manly baritone. Disposed to relaxation and awaiting no surprise, but the moonlight shone reflected from a hundred bright blue eyes. And closer still, and closer, the sampans circled round, and yet from all the enemy there was not heard a sound. The lovers sang their last duet, in danger of their lives, for the foe was armed with toasting forks and cruel carving knives. Then Gilbert gave the signal to his fierce Mongolian horde. With a frightful burst of fireworks, the chinks they swarmed aboard, abandoning their sampans and their pullaways and junks. They battened down the hatches and the crew within their bunks. Then Grindlebone, she gave a screech, for she was badly scared. I'm sorry to admit it, but she quickly disappeared. She probably escaped with ease. I'm sure she was not drowned. But a serried ring of flashing steel, Growl Tiger did surround. The ruthless foe pressed forward, in stubborn rank on rank. Growl Tiger, to his vast surprise, was forced to walk the plank. He who had a hundred victims had driven to that drop. At the end of all his crimes was forced to go kerflip, kerflop. Oh, there was joy in whopping when the news flew through the land. At Maidenhead and Henley there was dancing on the strand. Rats were roasted whole at Brentford and at Victoria Dock and the day of celebration was commanded in Bangkok. 